G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. We want to talk about the politics of life this hour because, as you know, right around Australia, uh, in fact, uh, there's a state election coming up in New South Wales, not far away. They had a state election in Queensland just last weekend. Uh, There are obviously elections federally and in each state and territory around the nation. And we want to talk today about the politics of life because the lives of the unborn are at risk. Uh, Our special guest this hour to talk through some of these issues, Teresa Martin, who's the state president of Cherish Life. She's based in Queensland. There's a number of pro-life organisations around the nation. And uh, Teresa, a regular uh, visitor into our program here on 2020. Hello, Teresa. Welcome along. Thank you very much. Always wonderful to be here, Neil. Well, this is an exciting topic to talk about, and it's a meaty topic and something that's very important because if I reflect on... And uh, for the benefit of listeners right around the nation, and not just those in Queensland, but what we have seen is the Queensland state election that was held last weekend. And, uh, of course, there was a major swing towards the Labor Party, and so a lot of new Labor members elected in Queensland. Now, other states will be able to reflect on the makeup of those seats in their parliament, those people who are bringing that legislation to the fore, setting the policies for how their state will be governed. But in Queensland, we've seen this huge swing, and now there's a whole bunch of new Labor members in the parliament. And one of the things we recognise, if we're talking about the politics of life, is that some of those Labor members elected, and many of them women, are a member of a particular organisation, an organisation that is called Emily's List. Now, on the face of it, Emily's List uh, looks very good. It's all a pro-women type of organisation. But there is one black spot uh, on Emily's List, and uh, I'm interested in your input here. Uh, Emily's List is a pro-choice or pro-abortion organisation that sponsors uh, women to enter into Parliament. What are your concerns, Teresa, about Emily's List and the fact that there are a whole lot of new members that have been elected in an Australian state parliament? I'll just explain for everyone out there listening what Emily actually stands for. It's E-M-I-L-Y and it stands for Early Money is Like Yeast. The logic behind that from the Emily's List people is that if they put a lot of funding Um, and effort into pro-abortion women and they must agree with abortion up to the day of birth to be a member of Emily's List, they get them all elected. Now, tragically in Queensland, eight members of Emily's List were elected. Um, At this point, the one in Algester, but these are the electorates, by the way, not the towns, Algester, Bundaberg, Ipswich, Keppel, Mundingborough, Pine Rivers, South Brisbane and Waterford. Um, What we've seen happen in other states such as Tasmania and Victoria is once the Emily's List women get a hold, they then force through abortion laws. In Tasmania, they did it very... um, You have to give them points for strategy. 
the gentleman who was elected as Premier stepped aside for family reasons, and I put big inverted commas around that, and Lara Giddings, a member of Emily's List, took over. Uh, whilst Anna Palaszczuk isn't on Emily's List, my fear and the fear of our organisation is that she will step aside for some kind of a reason and Jackie Trad, who is a member, will take over. Okay, their uh, predictions that may come to light in the near coming time. I'm sure there'll be listeners uh, hearing what you have stated so clearly just now who will be staggered to know that there are uh, pro-abortion organisations that actively target members of parliament and even indeed candidates who will be standing in electorates uh, in order to get them elected so that... Uh, this whole agenda of pro-abortion, or they call it a, a, a pro-choice agenda, will actually come to a place of power and implement these policies. Uh, is this something you are struck with? Uh, when when you tell someone about this sort of thing for the first time, what sort of reactions do you get when you uh, glance into someone's eyes and uh, you start to uh, see a, a, an expression upon their face? Well, firstly, people are stunned. They don't really believe it because they've never heard of it. Um, as you know, Cherish Life Queensland holds no political view. We are only interested in, in um, supporting pro-life candidates. But when I go to vote, I always ask the people handing out for Labor and for the Greens, do they know what their organisation, what their political party's policy is on abortion? And of course, they have no idea. And when I mention to them Emily's List, most of them are actually horrified because many of the people handing out for them don't even know what kind of party they're actually handing out for. And it is very, very concerning. Um, the people in the street, when you talk to them, and again, I make it clear, I don't care what party my politician is for so long as they are pro-life. And you explain that they are from Emily's list or that they, they, this is what they're pushing. People are stunned. They've never heard of it. They don't know about it because the Labor Party which this organisation, by the way, it's female only, so it's very discriminatory, and yet the the females in the Labor Party scream discrimination for every other party, um, but they it's very discriminatory, and the only objective for Emily's List is purely and simply to push through abortion laws, not to help women in any other way. That's not really their agenda. Well, when I look at what they stand for, what they believe in, there are a lot of good things that they say they stand for for women, things like equity, the idea of equal rights and privileges before the law of childcare, wanting affordable quality, flexible childcare, equal pay, the idea of increasing the value that it places on the work of women and diversity, having more women in parliament or on corporate boards and those sorts of things. And then, of course, uh, number five point of what they stand for is that one that says choice. And uh, that's the clincher there. You're saying that's the one that actually guides this organisation. Absolutely. But I think people can get a little bit sidetracked with this whole equality issue too. The thing is, if you were to have brain surgery, I doubt you would demand that your doctor was a female. If you were to have brain surgery, you just want the best person for the job. And I think that's what we need to look at rather than filling quotas, which I personally find a little bit insulting to women that we can't get it on our own merits. We get it because we're a woman. That's quite ridiculous. Um, I think what we need to look at is who is the best person for the job, whether it's the prime minister or your local dentist, who is the best person?
not their gender. Well, what you're saying, Teresa, is quite controversial and there may be people who will agree with what you're saying, others that will be shocked because they haven't heard these things perhaps before anywhere and hearing them for the first day on 2020. Uh, others will be uh, thinking uh, that's that, that can't be the case and I'd argue with that. Well, our talk back line is open and you can be a part of our conversation today. Uh, you may even, uh, in some respect, want to remain anonymous, but you might like to have your say today. Uh, you're welcome to call our talkback line open now, 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Your thoughts on the politics of life. Uh, some other things we want to talk about today, too, when it comes to the politics of life. And, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about a slippery slope. Uh, things uh, go from one point where, you know, some new legislation gets up, it becomes the law, and uh, all the warnings that went beforehand that said, hang on, this is a bad idea, well, they start to come to the fore. Uh, let me ask you your perspectives on uh, the latest developments with what is called RU486, the uh, medical abortion, because there's some new developments. Yes, they've now allowed it up to nine weeks. It was previously seven weeks. And uh, now it's up to nine weeks. The concern with that is uh, not not only, of course, and the only thing that matters is the death of a little child through that, but as far as we are aware, they don't establish whether that pregnancy has formed in the tube, which means that that RU486 will be totally ineffective to expelling the baby. So that's a, a serious concern. They've shown by the only statistics that are kept um, in South Australia as to the reasons why that they have had a huge increase in women having to have a surgical abortion after they have tried IU486 and it has been unsuccessful for one reason or the other. Uh, with IU486, it doesn't always expel the entire contents of the womb, as the baby gets called. Um, it can It suppresses the good bacteria within the woman's um, reproductive area, which allows the bad bacteria to flourish, and she can get very, very seriously ill because of that. So there's lots of dangerous issues. And the the saddest thing of all is the woman takes it and offers, often hangs around the house because she doesn't know when her body will expel that little baby. And so the place of sanctuary, her bedroom, often becomes the tomb for her baby. Mm. Let me ask you, Teresa, are there separate state and territory laws on RU486? Because I know that uh, this latest uh, development uh, comes from the Federal Therapeutic Goods Administration, uh, which is a national body. Is this something that states have a say in? It's Murray Stopes, which is one of the main abortion facilities around Australia. They have the... Um, licence to dispense RU486, and that is all around Australia. Okay. All right. There's another issue, too, which we'll invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation on, and that, of course, is uh, uh, some things that have come to light out of the UK these past few days, and that's all about uh, gender selection and uh, and uh, the idea of uh, three parent babies, uh, where there is a change of the law in the UK. We were talking a little about this yesterday on 2020, but but your thoughts on those two issues, uh, those uh, three parent babies and, and of course, uh, gender selection, I guess there's something similar. Yes. The, the tragedy I think we're seeing now is that so many no, no longer truly know where they came from. 
they truly don't know. We have donor sperm, we have donor egg, we have surrogacy. It, it is playing God because we can. I find it extremely sad that no longer now it's just mum and dad on the birth certificate. Now you're going to have parent one, parent two, parent three. That there's something, when we go outside the natural order, which the natural law, we, we just cause chaos on every level. And so caution is required. And let's take some calls. You're invited to be a part of our talkback conversation. 1-800-316-316, our number. Damien is in Baronia Heights. Hello, Damien. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil and Teresa. How are you today? Very well, Damien. It's great to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the sorts of things we're talking about today? Good, yeah. Look, I, um, back before Julia Gillard took over from Kevin Rudd in the, in the federal arena, um, I was looking again for, uh, you know, more party information and more information about the uh, individual uh, people themselves. And, and Amelia's list before all that uh, takeover of the Labor Party, it was quite in your face. It was quite uh, strongly pro-abortion and very, very strong in, in what it said. Uh, and then as soon as Julia Gillard came to power, it... it it toned down on everything. It made everything. It said the same thing, but it just toned down, and I just—it's just all very uh, deceptive uh, with Amelia's list. It's just, as you said before, people just don't know what it actually stands for. Uh, it is Emily's list. Did Emily's you notice list. that too, uh, Teresa, when Julia Gillard became prime minister, that things started to tone down a little? Uh, they do tend to keep it under wraps to a certain extent when it suits their purpose. And actually, you've made an interesting point, Damien, because. Julia Gillard was the one who actually wrote the uh, constitution for Emily's List here in Australia. Now, we have the MP3 of her own voice on a radio interview she did a number of years ago where she states Joan Kerner, uh, who many of you will know in politics, brought the idea back from the United States. At that point, apparently, Julia Gillard was sharing a house with Kerner's son, and that's how she got involved with it all. And so she, in her capacity as a lawyer, wrote the constitution for Emily's List. And we have that with Julia Gillard's unmistakable voice on an MP3 uh, that we have archived. So if anyone's interested in that, we're more than happy to send that out to you as proof. Damien is still with us. Damien, your concerns are that Emily's List is becoming deceptive or increasingly deceptive. Was that the point you were making? Look, ab- absolutely. I, you know, some of um, you know some of the people I, I worship with were actually handing out leaflets for for some of the members that uh, we were just talking about, that Theresa was just talking about, and and I'm sure if they knew, I guess, some of their uh, affiliations and, and some of the things they stand for, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't have been handing out uh, leaflets, um, as you said before. I guess, Teresa, when you are involved in someone's political campaign, uh, if you are a Christian believer, this is a point perhaps that uh, you need to draw a line uh, when you recognise that perhaps you might be standing alongside someone who's standing as a candidate for a particular political party. At least check their uh, credentials and the sorts of things they're standing for when it comes to this issue of uh, abortion. That's exactly right. And, and Damien, one of the things that you brought up is... is true they will not be aware of it what people need to do prior to an election is ask their candidate if they're thinking of helping them out how would they vote now it doesn't matter what they think unfortunately because pressure will be brought to bear on them but how would they vote if a bill was brought before parliament that would allow the legalization of abortion and if they can't answer that they would never vote for it 
you really, as a Christian, have no business handing out their leaflets because even if their other policies are good, how can God possibly bless anything that that person does in the political arena when their aim is to allow abortion? It's just impossible. I mean, unborn babies are God's creation. And if someone's seeking to destroy them through legislation, how can anything else they do be blessed? I'd find that very hard to believe. Yes, yeah, certainly, uh, and even going further than that, I mean, all uh, all uh, women and men are all in the image of God. So even that baby uh, is in the image of God. And, and again, as you said, it's, it's quite a destructive power if you're, you're going to take the image of God a life away before uh, it even uh, is born. Absolutely. Uh, Damien, thanks so much for your thoughtful input today here on 2020. Great to hear from you. You can be a part of our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. If you've got a perspective to share, 1-800-316-316. Theresa Martin, the State President of Cherish Life. She's based in Queensland. We're talking nationally, though, today about these things. Uh, these are national issues that we're talking about. You can be a part of our conversation. We'll be back with some more in just a few moments. It's Neil with you on 2020, the politics of life, our topic of conversation today. You might have a thought or two to share. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour, Teresa Martin, she's with Cherish Life. She is the state president of Cherish Life based in Queensland. Talking about national issues, though, when it comes to these issues, the politics of life. Taking your calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear an anonymous caller from Victoria. Hello, welcome along to 2020. Oh, good afternoon. Uh, very good to hear from you. Uh, what are the things that you'd like to express as we talk through these issues today? Um, God did not bless me. It wasn't part of his plan for me to be a mother. And it wasn't an option for me to adopt or foster. So I find the whole topic uh, rather unsavoury and rather sad. And uh, as far as I know, it says in God's word um, that children are a blessing from the Lord and they're only led to you and they belong to the Lord. Thanks for ringing in. It's, I can appreciate it's extremely difficult for you to do that because your heart must be so heavy hearing that people choose to destroy their babies. And you're right, every person in this life is given some kind of cross to bear and in your situation it's not being able to have children but don't forget you can be the spiritual mother to all those little unborn babies you can pray that their parents are given the grace strength and courage to give birth to those children that the children already born are being loved and protected and cared for so you can be a spiritual mother on many levels there and, and never underestimate that power that you've got with God because when we're hurting, we're always close to God's heart. So he's listening to you every step of the way. Yes, I know and I do pray. Um, also, I have heard recently the research is that once you do abort your child, God opens your eyes and you realise what you've done. And you live the rest of your life waiting for the day when you are reunited with the child that you murdered. That is that is the case on many, many levels. The, the wonderful thing is because God is so merciful and so loving, 
that he can also help point these girls who's, who's, as you say, the scales have fallen from their eyes. They've now seen what they've done. But there is help and there is healing. I know you said you're from Victoria. There's a wonderful lady down there, Anne Lastman, who runs an organisation called Victims of Abortion. And she does counselling for, for women and men now because men are very deeply affected by abortion. And so that's someone down there in Victoria who does it. There's Rachel's Vineyard, which is another organisation uh, around Australia. There's the Hope, um, uh, I'm sorry, I've just forgotten, I think it's Hope Alive up here in Queensland run through the Priceless Life Centre. So there's a number of different organisations now that can help and heal. And I think we've always got to be gentle in our hearts towards girls who have had abortions because they've been fed lies and they've believed them and then they've seen that they're a lie. So we've always got to speak the truth, but we must do it in love and never in judgment or condemnation. Yes, because God is love. Absolutely. But the blessing is after that has happened that with help you would come to know the Lord. That's it. That's right. Well, I want to thank you for uh, having the courage to call in and be a part of our conversation, that caller from Victoria. Our talkback line is open. Uh, 1-800-316-316. It's not always easy to call. Uh, When there is a topic like this, you may have a very emotive, uh, emotional point of view, and uh, you're more than welcome to call us and share that point of view with us and with our listeners around the nation. So uh, it is one of those things. And, uh, Teresa, you've been a, a, a talkback caller. You know that it's not always easy to actually pick up that phone and get on the uh, get on the line. And, uh, and then there's oftentimes a little bit of a, a time of waiting before you're eventually getting your opportunity to speak. It, it does take some courage. It does. That's right. So we do thank anyone who is ringing in and know that we know, you know, it doesn't matter if you stumble over your words or you don't have the right words to say. Just get it off your chest and talk to us. We're here and we'd love to hear from you. And I guess the, and our, our listeners who do call in on 2020, I hope they have this appreciation that when they're sharing their heartbeat, that others are also aligning themselves with that heartbeat and uh, they're hearing some of the deep things that come from uh, people's own experience, the stories they have to tell, uh, the pain that they have suffered. And I love it, Teresa, that you never minimize the pain that people go through when we talk about this issue. Uh, some people, I'm sure, are very quick to be very argumentative, uh, quick to be uh, almost you know, battle lines drawn over this particular topic and I always appreciate your gentleness in, in dealing with these things. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Um, I think particularly when it comes to the, the argumentative and the, the protesting side of things, say at, like we sadly will have at the Rally for Life as usual. I mean, we're always kind of glad they're there because it means they at least have to listen to the pro-life message a little bit or read the banners. But we always must remember that people only lash out when they are in pain. When we're not in pain, we don't lash out. It's a little bit like, and I'm certainly not calling these people dogs, I want to make that very clear, but if you go to pat a dog with a sore ear, he'll bite you. And he's not biting you because he hates you. He's biting you because you've touched a raw spot. You've hurt him, even if you didn't know you were. So when we bring up this issue of abortion, we know with over 100,000 abortions every year here in Australia, and by the way, one is too many, but 100,000 plus, that we've got a lot of hurting people in the community. And this is raw for them and they will attack. But we still must speak the truth in love 
and point them to help and healing and say, I always encourage people, if someone said, well, I've had an abortion, the first thing you should say if you're going to say anything at all is, that must have been a very difficult time for you. You are not validating what they did, but you are definitely validating how they felt. It was a very difficult time. And I think once you empathize with somebody about their feelings, not about what they did, but about their feelings, the the walls come down, the dam breaks, and they feel you're someone safe they can talk to. When you're in that painful, vulnerable state, uh, and then you've got someone who's a Christian, and sometimes there's the caricature of the Christian who's the Bible basher and uh, mm. and someone who is out to condemn, mm. you really have to dispel that level of condemnation that people can feel because they know that Christians are pro-life. And I guess that gentle approach is the way to do it. It is. It certainly is. And they may well throw your faith back in your face, um, that you're a believer and that's why you think the way you do or whatever. And and one thing I think it's, it's good to be able to say back on a gentle way is, well, everybody's belief system is underpinned by a set of values. We know where we get our values from. We don't have to justify that. It really is up to the other side, for want of a better term, to justify why they believe what they believe. We know quite clearly that all life is meant to have value. We know why it has value, because God created it. Um, But again, even with that, I think we just need to say something gentle to them, such as, no matter what, God loves you. Even if they go, I don't believe in God, you say, no, but he believes in you. That's all, just two little short sentences. Don't preach the gospel to them. Um, You know, it's just short, sharp, when I say sharp, I'm meaning concise um, responses that are good to have up your sleeve to speak love into that person's life because you never know what kind of situation they are coming from. Maybe they've never been loved as a person, ever, and so they don't understand how anyone could have the generosity of heart to love a child. Our conversation will continue in just a few moments. If you'd like to be a part of our conversation, and we did mention earlier, you can feel free to call anonymously today and uh, you might have some things to share about the types of topics we are talking about. We are talking about the politics of life and uh, we've moved to a place where we're talking about our gentle response as Christian believers. You might have some perspectives when we talk about uh, these issues that we're talking about. We began talking about Emily's list and the deceptive nature of the pro-abortion lobby that comes through that particular organization. We've also been talking about RU486. Uh, You might have some thoughts on the extension of how that a particular drug is being administered through the Therapeutic Goods Administration. You might also have some thoughts to share on what we were talking about uh, where we mentioned the three parent babies or designer babies. Uh, you can give us a call. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen is our number. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. It's Neil with you on 2020 talking through issues, the politics of life today. You might like to contribute to our conversation. The talkback line open, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 uh, Teresa Martin, our guest, uh, State President of Cherry 
Irish Life. She's based in Queensland. Uh, Teresa, let's come to this issue we began to talk about too, and that's the idea of uh, three-parent babies. We were talking a little about this yesterday here on 2020, but three-parent babies creates a lot of complexities that when you are trying to actually legislate a level of morality and all of that, things get very, very difficult. It is it is pretty tragic, in my opinion, when what they do, for those who may not understand the process, but one of the things they do, they can remove the nucleus of the woman's egg and replace it with the nucleus from a different woman's egg. So you now have two female components and then, of course, the sperm from the male. Those That little created child, which already now has genetically three parents, can be implanted in a surrogate lady. So now you have the fourth parent as such, and then that child is adopted by a totally different couple. So you now have six people involved. Well, who, firstly, would have the legal right to that child in a custody battle? Now, you may be able to discount the surrogate mother because she's not the biological mother, but what about those three parents that are the biological parent now, as well as the ones who have adopted it? Where does it end? And how then can you trace your genetics to ensure you're not marrying your half-brother or sister, which sadly has happened around the world before. I guess if you were trying to find some sort of a grounds that said uh, this idea of three-parent babies is good because uh, there are some uh, medical conditions that can be alleviated, that's, uh, that's the argument that people have. Uh, and there are all sorts of cases that people will bring forward of people who uh, they wouldn't have this pain, they wouldn't have this condition had they had this three-parent input. Um, there are some sort of arguments that people have, but it's very dangerous, isn't it, to actually take that step and make the change because it's very hard to anticipate what will change, and we talk about a slippery slope, what will change beyond those initial changes. Exactly. And the thing is, I think we, we're trying to create this utopia here on earth, this perfect place with perfect people and perfect children. Um, people hate when you mention Hitler, but I have to bring him in. He tried to create his perfect society over there by saying only certain people were allowed to breed. They killed off the disabled children after they experimented on them, etc., etc. We're just doing it now in a much more highly medicalized way. We are saying... Any little embryos created that aren't perfect are to be destroyed and we will only implant the perfect ones with IVF. We're also saying if we're going to create three-parent families, it's three-parent babies, that, again, there's some imperfection in them. We no longer, again, because we have moved away from God, and that's really what this argument's all about. It's, It's very little to do with earthly things. It's much more a spiritual thing. We've moved away from God, so we now play God. And we feel that we should only have everything that's perfect. But we don't know down the track. No matter we might screen for 56 diseases or conditions, what about condition 57, 58, 59? Like where does it ever end? And is it now going to be like something like Peter Singer, which is a supposed ethicist, and I use that term lightly for him, but he has no problem with killing a child up to two years old because he says they're not cognizant, so if the parents change their mind, well, why don't we make it three years old or four years old or five years old? At the other end, we're killing off the frail and age because they don't suit our purposes either. So, So where does the point ever stop? I sometimes think of 
people who say there is no God. You know, those people say, oh, I don't believe in God. I mean, I want to be able to see science uh, make all these breakthroughs. And uh, you people who are Christians, you religious people, uh, you seem to be wanting to hold everyone back. It seems to me that people who assume that there is no God think that there is some sort of body of knowledge uh, that will hold everything together And uh, perhaps they put the name on that science. Oh, science will protect. Science has the answers on all of these sorts of things. But, of course, there is no cohesive body of knowledge that holds all of those things together. Uh, There may be developments and papers over millions of papers, millions of of thoughts that people have had, but there's nothing that uh, holds those thoughts together in any one cohesive body that says we have what it takes to actually plot our own destiny. If we move away from the idea that there is a God, that he's revealed himself, he's revealed his personality, his laws, and eventually himself through his son, Jesus Christ, we move away from that. We're all of a sudden uh, out on the ocean without any anchor at all. Absolutely. And I think everybody is well aware of the natural law written in their heart. And the, the reason I say everybody is aware of that is you think a little child, when they pinch a cookie or a biscuit off the table, they don't walk around the house chomping on it. They go and hide somewhere with it and eat it. Now, no one's ever told them that was wrong. How did they know it was wrong? It's called natural law, and it is in everyone's heart. We may deny it. We might not want to acknowledge it, but it is there. Through all history, every society has built icons and some kind of temple or some totem pole or whatever to some external power. So in our hearts, we are seeking something outside of ourselves and we know that there is something greater than us. We call it God and we call and we believe that he has done, as, as you've stated, sent his, his son into the world to save us, to love us, to care for us and give us a guiding light. I am the way, the truth and the life. That's that's where we find it. It's pretty simple. Teresa, we've been talking about uh, these three parent babies and uh, I've been uh, sort of linking that with gender selection abortion. And there, I guess, are some links there. In, in another respect, though, these are very separate issues, aren't they? Because gender selection abortion makes it like a, a boutique selection uh, when you fall pregnant. Oh, I didn't want a boy. I wanted a girl. So I'll I'll have the uh, the abortion. Uh, this is the sort of way that uh, that it seems to be the reasoning that people will use to actually have gender selection. Uh, this is a huge concern as well. Exactly. And we know with this gender selection, it is imbalancing populations. In China, for instance, where boy babies are favoured over girl babies, they have now got 30 million more men than women. So that's causing all sorts of societal problems they are having. And you can see it in a fantastic documentary that um, we screened and we have copies in the office if you wish wish to purchase them. I think you can see part of it on YouTube as well. And it's called It's a Girl. And it goes through what is happening in China with the imbalance and what is happening in India with the imbalance. And we are starting to see, sadly now, in our cultures here in Australia where they have... Uh, people from overseas have come in, they're bringing that same understanding and mentality of the value of a boy baby over a girl baby. And it's happening in Britain, it's happening in numerous other places now where once it was unheard of. So we're having it in that way through abortion, but we're also having it through the IVF selection where they're, they're pushing for that to happen. 
where if, say, the woman gets pregnant with a number of children, we can selectively reduce. And that's just a, a sugar-coated term for we will kill off any spare babies that you're having. So we've we've got it on both fronts there where we're choosing how many and what sort of child that we're having. We have moved into some very complex issues. You may have some thoughts to share. There is still time. Our talkback line open on 1800 316 316. Theresa Martin from Cherish Life, our guest, will continue our conversation in just a few moments. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Australia's Vision Radio Network. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our special guest this hour, Teresa Martin from Cherish Life. We're talking about the politics of life. You might like to be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316, taking some calls. Let's hear from Mary in Bathurst. Hello, Mary. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, how are you? Very well, Mary. Thanks for your call. What are your thoughts on what we're talking um, about today? I've been listening to your program about... Um, you know, abortion and, and all that. And I was just wondering about the Emily thing. What should, should what should we be asking our politicians? You know, obviously you go to the polls and they don't really outline a lot in their policies. Um, so what I want to know as a Christian is I'm not going to vote for anyone who 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 is for abortion at all. Um no matter what, under what circumstances. Um, but what I want to know is, what do I ask the politicians? What do I ask our local members? You know, um, and the other other question was, obviously there's a lot of people out there that don't know about this this Emily Emily's program. list, yep. Shouldn't we be, as Christians, be handing out leaflets at the polling booths to let people know? Good so point. They can make a, a proper informed decision when they do go to vote. You know, that's going to happen at the grassroots level of every individual believer, uh, yep. every uh, family that has a pro-life stance, every church that wants to take a stand on this when it comes to elections. Uh, let's hear from yep. Teresa, though, because a couple of good points there that's being made. Yep. In response to your first question, Mary, the um, how would, in what you should say to your local candidate prior to the election is, you need to pin them down with the question, how would you vote if a bill to legalise abortion was to come before Parliament? It's how they would vote. Now, they're going to come under a lot of pressure, so you need to also draw their attention to that. So even if you're under pressure, even if you're going to lose yep. your portfolio, et cetera, et cetera, how would you vote? Because in the end result, whether we like it or not, politics is a numbers game. Bills get yeah. through because more people say yay than nay. So it's how yeah. they would vote. That's the most important thing. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. be fluffed off when someone says, oh, no, but, you know, my party is pro-life or I'm pro-life. Because mm -hmm. what I've discovered over many years is that the term pro-life doesn't always mean pro-life. I had one person who said they were adamantly pro-life but agreed with abortion up to three months because, in their opinion, the baby didn't really exist up up to that three-month point. I, I really cannot understand how they say a baby cannot exist exactly. until three months because you don't tell a, 
a pregnant mother that she's having a nothing and <laughs> then all of a sudden she's having a baby. Exactly. And no one rings their friends saying, I'm having a fetus. They also am having a baby. Exactly. That's true. But it's, so it's how they would vote. On the mm. other point with regards to Emily's list, um, you would have to you, you'd have to look at what the electoral rules are in regards to handing something out actually at the gate of a polling booth, right. and by then it's it's sort of almost too late. Um, what needs to happen is a lot more advertising in the local rag, in the free magazine, yeah. letterboxing that sort of thing. And what you do is just expose whether or not that candidate in your area is a member of Emily's list. And right. in, in a nutshell, Emily's List, they must agree with abortion up to the day of birth. That's how you yep. become a member of Emily's List. Um, right. So that's, Can you ask your, your local member and your members whether they're a member of this Emily's Absolutely. List? And you can go online and look at the Emily's List website and they do yep. put up there. Now, sometimes they, they don't do it till the very last minute. Um, yeah. But it is up on that website. They're women in parliament. You can go on there and have a look. So it shows yeah. all the people who are. And don't forget too, when if your say your local member is a member of Emily's list, yeah. you still must engage with them in a respectful and loving manner, and yeah. go in and visit them because heart-to-heart conversations in their office is the most important thing. Yeah. In order of priority, a personal visit is the most important. A mm. phone call and handwritten letter, an email yeah. really counts for next to nothing. So get to yeah. know your local member. Go in and see them. You've got as much right to be there as, as a pro-abortion yeah. person and just lovingly, gently explain to them the harms of it. Send them a little set yeah. of feet pins, the precious feet pins, to show them the reality of it. And if you're writing, just make one point per letter, one page, short and sweet, in your handwriting, that counts for a lot. Don't give them five pages. They do not have time to yeah. read it. But yeah. you can write every week, by the way. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. that. Write five times in a row. If, if you're voting and you find that you, I mean, I would say Fred Niles, okay, mm-hmm. but the, the, and the Christian, maybe the Christian parties, how do you find a party if, if the majority of the people are... For abortion, how do you find a party that you can morally vote for? Uh, let me jump in here. Uh, we are regularly talking to some groups here on 2020, and uh, yep. I'm thinking of uh, the likes of Family Voice Australia. Uh, these yep. guys are based in South Australia, but they have representatives in around the states, and they do uh, surveys of politicians ahead of state and federal elections. There's also other uh, special uh, lists of policies that parties have where you can uh, check out what the candidates and what the parties have responded to surveys uh, of Christian groups ahead of elections. So uh, yeah. if you're tuned in here, you'll, you'll hear regularly about those, and uh, there'll be some more research that'll be being done right now in New South Wales ahead of a New yeah. South Wales election. And, of course, uh, you're in Bathurst. Uh, uh, you're in New yeah. South Wales. This is coming ahead of you and every other listener in New South Wales uh, to our conversation today. This will be interesting for you, but check out those pre-election candidate surveys that you can find uh, through the Salt Shakers uh, people uh, from uh, a lot of the uh, different uh, pro-family organisations. And uh, I did mention Family Voice Australia, but there are certainly good resources available. Yeah, if you uh, go on the Australian Christian Lobby website, they often will have them there as well. Family Voice Australia and Family Life International, they're the three ones who mainly do have those. 
Uh, that's the most important thing. But as I said, you need to start a relationship with those people, with, even if yeah. they are voted in. But just yeah. in, in, where, wherever you are in the service station, in your church group, in your prayer group, at the grocery store, bring up the issue of the election and explain to people what you've heard today about Emily's list yeah, and who I they are because they will who, not know. Who are, are wonderful Christians and they have, would have no idea about this list. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, you know, because they would never ever vote for abortion and I'm and and it's like, well, they may not know um, you know, that these people are on that list and they might think that they're they're, you know, good people and, and against abortion and all this, but in fact it's quite the opposite and I'm thinking, well, you know, I know that they would not want to to Sorry, vote for these people, you know. And morally, they wouldn't, they would never vote for something that that was against, um, you know, against life and 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 what God creates. Mary, yeah. it is so refreshing to hear your perspectives, and uh, great to hear from you today. Really appreciate you being a part of twenty twenty. Thanks for phoning in and Thank being you. part of our talkback conversation today. Uh, thank you to Mary from Bathurst. Uh, you know, Teresa, uh, if I'm going to be handing out something, I'd like uh, Teresa Martin to be standing beside me. If I'm going to go and visit someone and we're going to talk about uh, these issues of life and the politics of life and abortion, I want to take you with me because you articulate these things better than uh, really anyone I know. And uh, don't just uh, say that to flatter you because uh, you've got a tremendous grip on these issues. I uh, do want to people, uh, point people to uh, the Cherish Life website so that they can get that resource that they'll need if they're going to be equipped to talk. But let me just bring you back to something we've spoken about in an earlier conversation, the way you get good at talking about being a person who is pro-life, being a, a voice for the voiceless. And that is really just uh, getting the conversation going and and uh, I know we've talked before about how you do that, you know, messages on your toilet door and all sorts of things, and let's not go through all that again. But it really is uh, practice and talking through the issues helps us to be able to articulate a position on this. That's true, Neil. But I think, too, when your heart is in the right place, and by that what I mean is you have an absolute desire in your heart to speak the truth about these issues to people, God honestly will supply for whatever you lack Remember, he does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And I'm telling you that from experience. God, if it's on your heart to speak about these issues, don't worry too much about the words you're using or the way you're doing it. Just do it in love. And honestly, God will supply for every single thing that you lack. He will put the right people in your path that help you with better ways of saying things or the information you need, etc. So don't be too frightened about how you're doing it. Just say, Lord, I'm here to do your will, and I'm telling you now, he will take you on that journey. There are lots of pro-life organisations in different states and territories around the country, and undoubtedly they'll have a plan for this year, 2015, and there'll be various events that are happening. I don't want to let you go and our conversation to finish without talking about one you've got coming up on the 21st of February. This one will be in Brisbane. Uh, it's called the Rally for Life. What's so important about this gathering, Teresa? 
What's really important is it shows people that there is a groundswell of people who care about this issue. Often people don't think anyone cares about it because they never see any public evidence speaking against it and the media bombard us with information that everybody agrees with abortion. Well, everyone doesn't agree with abortion. Um, they might, might have an idea that there's an a, inverted commas necessary place for it. But this shows that there is no place in a civilised society for abortion. It is a rally of love and care. It is not a rally to make people feel bad or to be hateful or anything like that. Every sign we have is written with beauty and with dignity and with love. Our guest speakers are Bernie Finn, who's an MP from Victoria, who spoke for five hours straight to defeat the bill that came up in Victoria. Now, I don't know, speaking for an hour is a bit of a stretch for a lot of people, five hours, because he knew as long as he kept speaking, they couldn't vote that bill in. And that's just a magnanimous effort. Um, We also have Kath Toomey, who's the Director of Prices Life Centre, which is an organisation set up to help women with unexpected pregnancies. And uh, the other advertised person was Kat Abernack, who's got a little boy with um, Down syndrome, but unfortunately the little ones had to have an operation. So we now have a replacement speaker called Sarah Rossick, who will be speaking about her experience of coming under pressure to have an abortion. Now, that event is happening in Brisbane, that one. And uh, so for people in Queensland uh, wanting to link with that, Rally for Life 2015, and you can get some more details. And here's that website for Cherish Life. It's Cherish Life .org.au and uh, you'll get lots of great information and also links uh, to many of these other groups perhaps all around Australia. Uh, Teresa Martin who's the State President for Cherish Life based in Queensland. Teresa, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks Neil. You won't know how much of a difference the worship hour will make to your day until you tune in. Try it. Vision like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.